good afternoon, good night. Welcome to the Table Talk Podcast. I'm Terrence Turner, your host, and today I'm a very, 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 very excited because I have someone special to me personally coming on uh, the Table Talk Podcast today. He um, he is a I like to call a big figure in the community as far as the work, the tireless work that he that he dedicates to the city. Um, he's a spiritual leader, and I consider him a very personal friend. I need everyone to welcome my guest, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. How you doing? Hello, how are you, sir? And congratulations on the new podcast. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I felt a little weird kind of introducing you because I personally know you. Yeah. So I was going to yeah. run through like your whole resume. Please I said, don't. You know, we're going we gonna, to we'll, we'll kind of get to that. Okay, so for people who may not know him well, I, I know him well. He he shuns the spotlight, even yeah. though he's in a position, so to speak. But he shuns the spotlight. He just wants to do the work, and that's it. That's all he's focused on. And I can always appreciate that, too. He's extremely modest, so I'm not going to run through his resume of everything that he works on or the things he's involved in as far as trying to better the community. I'm going to just say he's a good pastor, and I consider him a very good friend. Thank you very much, sir. So tell me... What is going on with we we're gonna dive right into it by the way, y'all. Tell me what is going on as far as how you see the Black Baptist Church in twenty twenty. Um there, there, there's a there's a lot of things going on in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um and just society in general. Tell me how do you see the Black Baptist Church in twenty twenty? I think that uh the pandemic has uh had a really powerful impact on uh, the church in general, <clears throat> but the black Baptist church, the African-American Baptist church in particular. Uh, one of the things that, that, that I have been impressed by is the fact that I can still be surprised by things. Uh, I, I said in, in the most recent Sunday worship, at the end of, of our most recent Sunday worship, that it marked six months that we had been uh, out of our regular routine of Sunday morning worship experiences, it feels doing long. everything. Yeah, yeah, it, it really it does. It feels long. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but one of the things that I was very concerned about when the pandemic first hit uh, was whether or not we would get the financial support that we needed to continue to operate as a church. And I have to tell you, I have to be totally honest, uh, the membership of Shiloh uh, has has uh, surprised me over the top. Uh, historically, good very good surprise, very good surprise. Historically, we as African Americans bring our money. Mm -hmm. We we we. I've been doing this for long. I started pastoring in 1986, and one of the things that I've learned is that we bring our money, mm -hmm. but we don't send our money. And we in the we in the digital age now because of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean and, even more so. And 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 so. I was very, very, very concerned about whether or not we would be able to continue uh, to do ministry uh, under those circumstances and how long we would be able to do ministry under those circumstances. I know that uh, some people hold the, 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 the view that the church has uh, 
tireless resources, uh, that, that, that we're just a bottomless pit of, of financial resources. It's not true at all. Uh, uh, money comes into the church, but it goes back out into the community. And, and so I was concerned as to whether or not we would be able to continue to do that. And Shiloh has met every expectation strike that exceeded every expectation that I could have possibly had. We have not missed a beat. We have not had to uh, let go of anyone. We have had, we, we've not had to stop any program that we were doing. The only thing uh, that slowed for a brief period of time was uh, our daycare, but that was because parents were choosing to keep their children right. at home, but we never had to stop. And, and so in, I'm going a roundabout way to answer your question. I'm still learning what we're capable of doing. And it's kind of refreshing to to know that there are things that can happen that can still surprise you. I'm, right. I, I'm of the opinion that very little surprises me anymore. I've, I, I've, I've seen enough, been around long enough to where very little surprises me. That surprised me. The African-American church, uh, Baptist church, the traditional African-American Baptist church, because uh, we're not monoliths. Uh, every, every Baptist church is, is unique. Uh, I think that we're doing well. Uh, I think that we're holding our own, despite the fact that we have been out of uh, touch with one another uh, in the traditional way for such a long period of time. Uh, I check in with friends of mine who pastor in other parts of the country. I ask them how they're doing, how their churches are doing, and their response is the same as mine. We're doing fine. God is really blessing. We're not missing a beat. So I'm very pleased about that. Now, Beyond pandemic, how's the African American Baptist Church doing? I, I still hold that uh, as vital as the African American Baptist Church has been to the African American community uh, historically, uh, that we still have some catching up to do. We're still losing younger people. Uh, now, why, why do you think that is? Because I've, I've noticed, uh, even when you when you speak about Shiloh, you you make it a point to say there is a traditional right. African American church. Right. So f first, maybe even um, tell me what when you say traditional, because clearly that there's a distinction between a traditional Black Baptist church and some would even call maybe I'm not sure you know a, a new school Black Baptist contemporary, church. contemporary it, 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 is, is what I call it. Uh, contemporary churches. Uh, Contemporary African-American churches, Baptist or, or any sort, and, and many of them have dropped Baptist altogether. Uh, they, they call themselves non-denominational, interdenominational, uh, what have you. But contemporary churches uh, tend to lean heavily on music as a drawing card for uh, younger people. Younger people uh, tend to be attracted to a more contemporary sound. Uh, uh, See, when I think con contemporary, I always think like acoustic guitars and you know, that, 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 that just pops in my head. When I say contemporary, this is what I mean, and it's going to sound critical. I don't mean it to be critical, it's just my observation. It is music that if I couldn't tell you what the words were, you would think that you were listening to R&B or pop 
or something else. You you definitely wouldn't get the sense that you're listening to to gospel, to, to gospel songs. Uh, in, in in the 15 minutes that I drive to church on Sunday mornings, we turn on uh, one of the local uh, FM radio stations, and you can barely get what I would call, in a 15-minute ride, you can barely get what I would call a traditional gospel song out. Everything, if they were saying, oh, I love you, baby, it would sound perfectly appropriate based upon the type of music that they play. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be overly critical. Uh, people like what they like. Mm -hmm. And someone can tell you well that music speaks to me the same way uh, amazing grace or father i stretch speaks to you who am i to argue so you think it's point? more generational or is it just is it just you know the the times and you know because uh, I think it's very much generational. I think that the music of our children is different from the music of their parents. Uh, you know, I, gospel music was always kind of like a constant, where it's like it sounded like you know. It, well, e even when I was younger, gospel music sounded like it did when my parents. But go back were before you were young. Go back before I was young. Go back to the the thirties and the forties, and and picture in your mind the juke joint, mm -hmm. and, and and the music that was played on Saturday night in the juke joint. Some of those same musicians were in church on Sunday morning, playing the same C F and G chords on Sunday morning. That hadn't really it, changed. No, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed at all. Uh, uh, what what has changed is that whereas the the, the juke joint music sounded more like gospel music on Sunday morning, now gospel music on Sunday morning is starting to sound more like juke joint music on Saturday night. So if that did, makes any sense, they did a reverse rate. They Charles. did a re that that is absolutely correct. Ray Charles adopted gospel music and started making you know making his sound, and now it's the winning reverse. That is that is correct. Hmm. You, you can listen to R&B and you can listen to certain gospel music singers and if you don't have any words and just play the music, you couldn't tell one from the other. I think that that draws people uh, of a certain age. I think it also repulses people of a certain age and so you start to have a, a, a division, a, 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 a schism that develops and it's, it's first and foremost wrapped around the music. Secondly, it has to do with the tone of the message that comes forth from the pulpit. People of a certain generation want to hear how Jesus is going to help them to minister to the needs of their family, uh, help them pay their bills, uh, uh, cause them to live certain lives of, of uh civil uh, obedience to uh, the needs of the community, uh, a commitment to social justice issues, things of that sort. People of a different age have wanted to hear things like how I can be prosperous, how I can be wealthy, uh, how I can have a better marriage or a, or a close, you know, five steps to this, ten steps to that, what have you. Uh, it, it, it's a very different message, and it speaks to a very different type of black person. One of the things that the, that the traditional church has not been able to do successfully is bridge the gap 
between uh, the previous generation and the current generation and, and succeeding generations. It's not, regardless of this person we have in the White House, regardless of the he racial issues uh, that, that, that we have going on now, it is not 1965. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and sometimes it seems like the traditional church is still in 1965. And a 1965 message doesn't appeal to a child that was born in 2000 or 2005. And so they're looking for something that appeals to them. Something else, church is, is social. Uh, it, it, I tell people all the time, church is not so much theological. If, if I really wanted to get you to never come to church again, let me just start talking theology all day. <laughs> you, 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 you'll stop coming. You'll never come. We're we going to shout. No, no, no. He's going to talk all that theology, man. We, we, we don't want to hear. Church is social. People walk into a church and they look around and they look for people who look like them. They look for people who are generally of the same age that they are. They look for people who generally dress the way they do. They look for people who, 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 who accentuate themselves the way they do. And if they walk into a traditional church setting and see the deacon sitting on the right in the black suit and the white shirt and the black tie and the steward board sitting on the left with the white dresses and the ushers who stand there with the gloves on and the hand out like... That ain't for me. They're looking for people who are wearing jeans and wearing uh, casual clothes, perhaps wearing sandals. Uh, nothing outrageous, but just casual, a dressed down appearance. And they feel more comfortable with that. They're looking for people who will meet them at the door and talk to them in their language and not talk to them in, 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 in a rather condescending way. You know, uh, back, back when I was a young man, the ushers could hit you in the back of the head and tell you to, to, to shut up. And you better not say anything because... I'm going to be honest, they need to kind of bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> I've they, seen some things. They need to bring yeah, that back. you know, they, they, they'd hit you in the back of the head and, and tell you to be quiet because the preacher's up there talking, you need to be listening to him. These days, if, if, if that was even attempted... Church would be over because they We'd would be go right. off. Police would be called. It's a different generation of people. And so church is far more a social event than it is a, a, a theological event. I'm not trying to remove religion from it. Religion is a part of it. But... Uh, People want to be around folk who look and think and talk like them. So how do you how do you begin to bridge that gap then? Because you, you listen, you 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 as a pastor, you know this is th th this is the setting that you're in, and you know you don't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. God willing, not on yeah. wood. You know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. don't want to see you go nowhere no time soon. I, I, so I, I, and I don't. Me, I don't. me personally, I think you got a, a good. 40 years left in you got some you know i, I see you exercising you're getting well, healthy you're, i exercise i'm losing weight then change your whole eating habits if, if, and I everything. Live, if i live to be 40 40 more years called guinness that's not gonna happen <laughs> but but uh I, I i think that you have to be willing to listen to people you have to be humble enough to recognize that you don't know everything you have to be vulnerable enough to recognize that what you thought you knew two years ago might not be relevant or valid 
today. So how how do you get the person that's that's in sandals to come to church and feel comfortable and sit next to the person in a three piece suit? Still working on it. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not going to pretend that I have all the answers. We've Shiloh has been blessed to have a strong stable core of members but that does not negate the fact that we have a lot of people who pass through but don't stay mm -hmm. they come they, they they like what they hear and what they see and they feel like this might be a place where i can uh, plant my flag and grow spiritually and then two months three months six months down the line you look for them and they're not there we, we don't have all the answers we're trying to figure it out one of the things that i have tried to do i'm i'm 58 years old about to be 59 years old i'm trying to talk to people who are in their 30s people your age people younger than you i'm trying to listen to them and trying to to find ways to meet them to have shiloh meet them where they are uh, in order to help draw them in. Now, one of the things that I say to, to young people when I talk to them is that I need your help. You know, yeah, it's not like, I don't know if anybody's watching this who remembers John J. McKithen when he ran for governor of the state of Louisiana back in 1960. Won't you please help me? <laughs> that, 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 Do your history, people. That, that, that was his motto. Uh, I need help because I don't always see things the way they do. I have two sons, 25 and 23. The 23-year-old the uh, cares uh, little about church. He likes coming, uh, but he, he doesn't have any staying power. The 25-year-old thinks that even if church is 30 minutes, it's too long. <laughs> You know, uh, why, why, why did it take so long? Why, why did they have to sing that chorus two more times? They could have stopped after the first one. Why, why you got people standing up shaking hands with one another? I don't, I don't want, you know, so I can't just listen to them because we wouldn't have church. So I have to listen to people who, who, who are vested in, in the worship experience, young people who have grown up in the church, college people who came to Shiloh, came under a man who was a whole lot older than I am, came under Charles Turnbull Smith, my father, and, 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 and yet they have stayed. And one of the things that, that, that has really uh, humbled me is that I have to acknowledge the fact that my father was far more adaptable to young people and, and change than I was. Uh, uh, when, when I came to Shiloh, uh, I was 51 years old and I was rigid. Uh, you remember, you're smiling. I, I, I was rigid. Stickler for time. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 well, I'm still a stickler for time. But, it's not a bad thing either. But I've had to acknowledge the fact that just the way that I prefer to have things doesn't necessarily work out for everyone else. People want a greater variety in their worship experience. They want a greater variety than just worship. They want more variety in their Christian education experience. We don't know it all. And so I'm learning, I'm, or at least I'm trying to learn. Now, as I say that, I have to be honest enough to admit that there are times when what I hear just doesn't jibe with 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 my own personal spirit. And, and so I, I and, and that's why I sit in the seat that I sit in, and I have to be able to say, no, that, that, that's not going to happen mm -hmm. here. I've, I've had suggestions made to me, and no, we, you know, I understand that. 
I have angered some people uh, by telling them if that's what you're looking for, then you might need to move on someplace else. But just being blunt and honest. Well, which people, I feel like people have to have to start accepting honesty. You know, everybody wants to say, you know, keep it real, keep it real. And then when you keep it real with them, they get offended and mad. Well, I, I want to be honest, but I want to be conciliatory. I, I'm, I'm not interested in turning people off. I'm not interested in running people away. Uh, but, but I do recognize that churches have personalities. Uh, just like you have a personality, just like uh, the people in your staff, the, the, the people who are around you who are working here have personalities. Churches have personalities. And there are things that jibe with your personality, and there are things that don't jibe with your personality. And I'm not interested in trying to ram a square peg into a round hole because it's going to end up irritating both sides and then you, you, you really in, in, in a bad position. Uh, I recognize the need to be able to be open to younger people and younger people, uh, uh, their ideas, their beliefs. I also recognize that I have to balance that against an older generation uh, that serves as the core of the church and, and really the ones who make the ministry uh, run, make the ministry operate. Through this six-month period of time, uh, it, 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 you know, no disrespect, hasn't been 30-year-olds that have been supporting <laughs> the church. It's been 55, 60, 65-year-old people. And we're not talking about people who are wealthy. You know, Shiloh has a reputation of being this, this uh, hoity-toity, uh, silk-stocking church. But the truth of the matter is, Shiloh is filled with people who are fixed-income people who, who, who just believed in supporting the church and they do it on a regular basis. But uh, the, 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 the main support that the church enjoys right now uh, is, is not coming from 25 and 30-year-olds. It's, it's coming from 55 and 60-year-olds. And so I have to be cognizant of that as well. And I, I do remember, um, I, I know, because I had the opportunity and the pleasure to meet your father numerous times, work with him as well. He made it a point to make sure that he let everyone know that you don't have to have a suit on to come to Shiloh. Right. Because some people think that churches have dress codes. Right. But, right. They, but there is no dress code at Shiloh, correct? People come and say, we ought to have a come as you are, sir. My response immediately is, every Sunday is a come-as-you-are service. No, nobody says that you have to wear a certain type of clothing uh, to come into Shiloh. Uh, uh, and, and what they mean by come-as-you-are is, I have to dress down, mm -hmm. not, not, not you have to dress up. And, and I don't know why I have to stop wearing a suit. I've been wearing a suit since I was 19 years old. I mean, every day. I'm, I mean, I wore a suit every Sunday. But I was a sophomore in college wearing suits to school. But just to clarify, you know, gym class, he, he took the suit off, <laughs> put on appropriate attire for that, and then yes. put the suit back and on. And then put the suit back on. There that is go. correct. So why should I have to stop wearing a suit if, if a suit is what's comfortable for me? My wife fusses me all the time. You don't have any casual clothes. This is a casual clothes, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I'm comfortable. And see, like and see now people are going to be picturing. So he go home and chill out, watch the game. 
Fix his tie while he watching the game. I'm pretty sure he has casual clothes around the house too, people. He don't wear I, the suit every day. I, all, I, I do put on pullover shirts from time to time uh, <laughs> instead of the tie, but I'm comfortable like this. Right. I wear a suit seven days a week. I don't. I'm not asking you to put on. Uh, a suit if if it's uncomfortable for you i don't see why you have to ask me not to put on a suit when it's not coming you 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 have worked with me when we're doing the podcast and you have watched me debate whether or not i'm gonna put the coat on or I've leave the it. coat off i've seen the and, guest, and, the guest be and i will sit in like, the chair with the no coat jacket. off and then say wait hold hold on and then i'll go get the coat because this is me and, and I should not have to apologize any more than I'm asking you to apologize for being who you are. I shouldn't have to apologize for being who I am. And what I want Shiloh to be is a church where I feel as comfortable like this as you feel dressed like you are, as they feel dressed like they are. And nobody's paying any attention to what you have on because we're there to worship the Lord anyway. And so to clarify, you can wear Stacey Adams or sandals. It's all acceptable at Shiloh. Yes. That is correct. Just wanted to put that out there. That so is there is no dress code at Shiloh. That is correct. Just because you see him in a suit, that don't mean you got to put on a that suit. That is correct. If you see him jump off the bridge, you're going to jump off the bridge too? <laughs> don't answer that. Um, so kind of, I kind of want to stick with the traditional Baptist church right. because, you know, with tradition... There are things that come with that, like you you alluded to with the ushers and the gloves and right. certain things that we've we've come to 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 expect and know of the traditional Black Baptist Church experience. Right. Um, so one thing I, I do want to talk about because you're a traditional preacher as well, right? Mm -hmm. And there there are things that go along with that. There are people who coming up now who maybe they don't have the same traditions as far as how they present the right. message. Right? Do you feel like there's something that you know, that's something that you have to now even adapt with as far as your preaching style. I, I do think that uh, my preaching style needs to uh, evolve, not necessarily change, evolve. Uh, because if, if you're going to communicate to people of a certain age, then you need to try to reach them in a manner that uh, they will positively respond to it. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I have two sons. One of the things I learned, uh, and I'd heard other people say it, but it was a revolution to me when I had my two sons. They're two years apart, raised in the same house, uh, uh, same rules, but you couldn't address them in the same way. You couldn't speak to them in the same way because one responded one way and one responded another I, I used to, I like to tell this joke it, it's a true story but 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 I tell it all the time when, when when my firstborn did something that I didn't like I would say all right Charles uh, I need you to fix this I'm gonna I'm count to three and I would say one and by the time I said one he was up trying to fix whatever I wanted my youngest son miles I would say all right miles I want you to fix this I'm gonna count to three I would say one and miles would look at me and say two <laughs> As if to say, what comes next? And from that, I learned that children respond differently. People respond differently. Right. Younger people don't want to be preached to in the traditional way that we have preached uh, down through the years. Uh, I, I've had young people say, Rev, I was with you right up till you started yelling. 
you know, and, and once you started yelling, you lost me. You know, I, I, I don't need to be yelled at. They don't mean any harm by that. They're, they're simply they're stating just give, They're just giving their preference. honest opinion. Yeah. So I have to try to uh, uh, grow as a preacher to respond to everyone. A man by the name of McKinney and Massey. Uh, wrote a book 40 years ago, 45 years ago, probably 50 years ago now, uh, called uh, Church Administration in the Black Perspective. And they talked about uh, three general types of black church, mass mass church, class church, the mass class church. Uh, Quick definition. A mass church was a church filled with primarily uh, blue collar people, educators, things of of that sort. Not wealthy, but but generally there were more of them because that was more of who black people were who went to church. Uh, uh, they, they, They were strong on church attendance. They might not have had the same level of education of other people, but but they were strong. That's that was the mass church. The class church was was a church filled with more educated people, doctors, lawyers, things of that sort. Back then, very small number of them, but they had more wealth. They had a little bit more education uh, than, than than the people of the mass uh, church, and 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 they tended to want to worship together as well. Uh, Massey and McKinney said that the ideal church. Uh, the ideal African-American church was not a mass church nor a class church. It was a mass class church. And by that, they meant a church that met the needs of all classes, all groups of African-American people. For my father, for Charles Turnbull Smith, church administration in the black perspective was right next to the Bible as far as how he believed that a church uh, should evolve, how a church should grow. And he tried to tailor his preaching uh, to the mass class model. He wanted to give... scriptural background, textual criticism. Uh, he wanted to sprinkle in a little bit of, of, of his educational background, but he also wanted to tell you the Lord's going to make a way somehow. And, and before he got through, he was standing in the middle of the aisle saying, yes, yes, he will. Yes, he will. And your daddy and, would move. Too. <laughs> yes, he would. Yes, he would. Uh, we're going to talk about that another time. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, in that, he he was able to draw to everyone. To, 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 the, the, the entire worship experience was geared toward everyone. There was liturgy uh, at the start of the worship. Uh, there, there was a responsive call to worship and a responsive reading. Uh, there, there was a, a confession of faith, what we now call the confession of renewal. There was always always, always an anthem every Sunday morning. There were three musical selections every Sunday morning. The first one was always an anthem. The second one was always a fast gospel song. The third one was always a slow song that was getting you ready to preach. You knew that's what you were going to. But the whole idea was to appeal to everyone. You, you start off by singing, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You ended up by singing, Father, I stretch. And, and the whole idea was to draw for everyone. The preaching right. style was to draw for everyone. You ask me, 
what is it that I think that I need to do? I need to learn how to draw to everyone, and I need to learn how to re-identify who everyone is. Not everyone is going to appreciate a traditional sermon. Some people just want you to talk to them. In fact, I'm talking too loud for some people right now. They want me to lower my tone and, and just talk to you in a more... He just has a powerful voice. Go, go, go online. And this, this is the other thing. People are exposed more now to different types of things. You don't have to go to a convention anymore to right. hear different styles of preaching. You can go online and you can hear whoever, wherever, whatever you want to hear. And people will come back and say, well, I like him because of what he talks about. I like him because of the way that he presents himself. And so I spend time learning. I, I spend time listening to other preachers and and it's not so much the the the, the construct of the the message uh, the content of the message it's more the construct of the message. I, I said that wrong. It's not so much the content as it is the construct. Uh, people need to hear the truth in a way that they can receive it. And 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 it, it doesn't invalidate the truth if you put it in a form that people can can receive. What is it that Mary Poppins said? A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Uh, <laughs> you know, people want it a certain kind of way. My job is to get the message to you. Right. My job is not to say, doggone it, you go take it this way or else you ain't going to get it. Eat the cake, and, anime. Exactly. Exactly. That's not my job. My job is, is to find a way to make the cake pleasing and palatable to you. Don't just shove it in their face. That's right. That's okay, right. so he is not the eternal preacher. He's <laughs> he going he gonna to try to make it where you're going to like the cake. So with, with, with that, as far as, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to learn. Yeah. Because you want to be that mass class church. Yes. We've had conversations about this, um, and you've said these things publicly as well, too. So I'm kind of sticking with that, but I'm also kind of rewriting just a bit because we're, we're talking about the Black Baptist Church. Um, there's been, if you if you poll, I guess if we if we did a poll, there there's been a lot of uh, black people going to predominantly white churches yes. now. These are things that like I said I, I know that you you spoke about, but I yes. want to I, I want to dig into that. As far as um, why do you I'll think make it that as is? brief as I possibly can? I don't know why African American people expect to get a relevant message from a Caucasian led church. The church of the oppressor cannot speak to the needs of the oppressed. Part of the problem is black folk, some black folk have forgotten that they are oppressed. Now, if nothing else, I thank Donald J. Trump for. Donald J. Trump has reminded the masses of black people that you are still the oppressed. You, you are still considered by many, by many, to be second class. But what, what do you think the appeal is for them for that? At, a, at, at one time, it, it, it was the appeal of acceptance. I want you to accept me. I, 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 I want black people are some of the most compassionate, kind, generous people in the world. We don't hold ill will towards folk. 
Not the man. You know, you, no. you, 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 you hear what some folks say. For the most part, we hold no ill will toward anyone. What we want, what did Rodney King say? Can we all just, just get along? You and that, I-T-Y. That, yeah, that's, that's what we want. And so when Caucasian-led churches started opening their doors and allowing African, understand, they had to allow african-americans to come in because it's almost like the schools as well too yes it it it, it was a desegregation thing and they wanted to be accepted they wanted to be made to feel like uh they 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 had made it they had arrived we left our african-american neighborhoods we left our african-american schools we left our african-american professionals doctors lawyers accountants architects contractors we left our african-american church and and we went to where they were because they said joe you all right you won the good ones yeah that's right. And, 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 and so they looked for that kind of acceptance. And they were drawn in by this whole uh, idea, which for many of us, we, we had not been exposed to, this whole idea of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because you know, mm. all of this was happening at the same time. This whole thing of speaking in tongues. Nobody in the, in the traditional Baptist church talked about speaking in, in tongues. But they heard that, that, that there was this ecstatic utterance that was accepted in, in this church. And, and we'll take you in too. And, and if you don't know how to do it, we'll teach you how to do it. And, and, and so they started flocking to that. I and mean, we're talking in, in, I'm old. I was born in 1961. This was happening in the early 70s. Uh, that, that, that's when the Bethany movement, you know, Bethany ain't brand new. Uh, that, that's when the Bethany movement started, the, mm-hmm. the, the early mid-70s. And they started accepting folk, and black folk like wildfire ran to them. Now, and I'm hearing things that I never heard before. And, and, and I'm being fed. My soul is being fed spiritually. Yeah. Well, no, that, what you found out was that, that they wanted your, because you were giving money. And and, I, and and as white folks stopped going to church and you were still going to church, okay, well, now that's a financial resource that we can draw from. And I was definitely going to allude to that as well, too, because if you look at any kind of stats, they always say black people in America, that's the biggest consumer market. Yes. It's worth, I don't know how many billions, but yet as a whole we don't own much right so do you feel like you know with them opening their doors yes that it was an incentive for for financial gain as well too it, because it, because they zeroed in on this is a, a loyal group of consumers it was a financial boom to those white churches that attracted blacks in now the promise of their message was God's going to bless you with financial wealth. Name it and claim it. Hmm. Sling oil on it. I had some oil uh, slung on me uh, one time, too. Uh, I didn't like it. I, I'm sure you did. Uh, and, and I'm sure you didn't. Um, I, I, I used to tell the story. Uh, I, I, I was back when I didn't have nothing, a whole lot to do. I'd sometimes drive by car dealerships and get out and look at, at cars. And I went to a Mercedes dealership one day and I was just out looking at cars and I noticed a sign on the hood of the car. Please do not put oil on the car. Because people have been coming by slinging oil on the car, <laughs> naming and claiming the car. 
in the name of Jesus. That, that kind of gullibility, that, that kind of promise of financial prosperity, that misuse and abuse and bastardizing of scripture in order to turn it around to say that God wants you rich. And, and, and not only did they find white preachers to say this, they found articulate, handsome black preachers to stand up and make the same foolish statements. They found modern day Reverend Ikes and, and Father Divines and Daddy Graces in the names of Frederick Casey Price and Creflo Dollar mm. and some of these other folk out there. And, and, and they had them out there talking with great articulation, with great uh, 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 acumen, with, 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 with persuasion and, and, and what have you. And they were sucking people in with that same foolish message. Which it, 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 it brings a thought to my head as well, too, because when we first started, you were saying that people have this idea that they think the church is just loaded with money. Right. Do you feel that part of... The, the reasoning behind that is because they see these quote unquote mega churches and that, that you know, they, that you got Kenneth Copeland who gets approached about why do you need right two jets? Right. You know, it, I, it's, I'm it's, sure it, that it, has things like that. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. All I can tell you is that the average church in America, white, black, Hispanic has between 50 and 75 members. That's the average church in America, mm -hmm. 50 to 75 members. They don't have a staff. The pastor is usually bivocational, and if you want to be honest about it, usually tri-vocational, trying to make ends meet. That's that means he got three church. jobs, y'all. That, that's the average church. You don't see that on television. What they promote is the health. And, uh, that's like the Publishers Clearinghouse thing. You get a thousand dollars a week for life. All you gotta do is, is is sign up. You know, everybody wins. That's like the 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 Powerball numbers up there. Pyramid just, scheme. Just go buy your ticket, and it's yours. They they promote what they want to promote, but they also conceal what they want to conceal. Most churches are poor. Most churches struggle, and if churches have a a heart for ministry, if they have a heart for uh, what my father used to call holistic ministry, which, which is the framework around which Shiloh is built, then money is not seen as something to be gained. It's seen as a commodity to be utilized. And so money doesn't stay with Shiloh. Money passes through Shiloh, and we serve as a distribution center to meet the needs of people. We feed the hungry. We clothe the naked. I'm not saying this arrogantly. I'm saying it as a matter of fact. We, we clothe the naked. We provide jobs to people. Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church is probably one of the largest minority employers in the city of Baton Rouge. We employ 60 people at Shiloh. 60 people, a black church employs 60 black folk at Shiloh. 60 people eat because of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. 60 families have houses, roofs over their head because of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. That's not bragging. That's just a matter of fact. But it's because money passes through and is funneled into appropriate places. We give tens of thousands of scholarships every year to people. And not everybody who receives a scholarship is a member of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. We believe in service. We believe in what Jesus taught. As I have loved you, 
so should you love one another. We don't believe that the pastor should live on one level and y'all should be aspiring to be where the pastor is. Come pay my bills sometime if you want. I, I, I got a stack of them sitting right here. And, and, and you're more than welcome to help me meet them. Because that's not the way that we live. We live lives of service. Mm. And we believe in serving. Now, we believe that we should exercise discipline. We, should, we, we believe that we should properly use, exercise good stewardship with the resources that God puts at our disposal. But God has always blessed us to be able to meet our needs. We're not struggling. Uh, we're not striving, but, but nobody's getting rich because they're a child and shallow doesn't preach a name it and claim it health and wealth, uh, gospel. And, and, and so for, for those people who are listening for that vote and, and these days it's not naming and claiming and health and wealth, it's destiny. That, that, that's the big word now. It, it is your destiny. So they, so they got their keywords and, and, yes. and they got their talking points. Yes. And, 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 and they, they pitch those words out there as often as possible because somebody did a test to say, if you say this five times, people are going to listen to it. If you say this seven times, people are going to hear it. So they'll use the same words over and over and over and over again. You know what words they won't use? Serve. Forgive. Love. They won't use those words. Hmm. They'll use destiny and wealth and riches and prosperity. So see, he's he, he he's giving y'all some things to look for. If you're if you're perusing the internet or if you're perusing the TV and you're you're coming across religious programming, check for them words. Yeah. Those, those are those are the key words that you want to look for or to see if you want to stay on it or change the channel. Tell you another word they won't use. Sin. Nobody wants to talk about sin. Hmm. <sighs> Lifestyle adjustments. That's what they call it. Psychological maladjustments. <laughs> but nobody uses the word sin. Nobody says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that your time here is limited. Man born of a woman has but a short time to live, and that's filled with much trouble. We all want to believe we're going to be here forever. No, you're not. We're pilgrims traveling. Now you get into the old preacher part. We're pilgrims traveling from time to eternity. And so what we do now, the mark that we make now is important because it's leaving a, a, it's leaving a legacy for those who come behind us to learn what it is that the church should be about. Now, with that, um, because we're talking about what the church should be about, where you're looking to, to go, um, what do you say to people who, who look at you and they say, you know, you should just preach the gospel? It's almost the equivalent of when people tell athletes, shut up and dribble. When you when you when you start speaking out about social injustices, this, that and the third, because people. My, my question is, have you read the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. because there are some people out there to say, well, he's just a preacher, yeah. you know, and, and they put the, you know, the, the just a preacher thing. Look, to me, it's the equivalent of telling an athlete who speaks out against something that they see as Luke wrong and say four. Jesus walked into the synagogue, grabbed a scroll of Isaiah turned to the passage that said the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor to liberate those who are captive to 
open the eyes of the blind to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm paraphrasing. I, I didn't get it all right, but you'll know what it is. My point to those people who say, just preach the gospel, I am preaching the gospel. When I say, and, and, and even my own members roll their eyes when I start saying this, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that use you and persecute you. That's the gospel. When I say turn the other cheek, that's the gospel. When I say walk the second mile, that's the gospel. When, when I say if a man sues you for your coat, give him your cloak as well. That's the gospel. When I say that Jesus stand, stood up and, and, and said that Herod was a fox and, and, and that the Pharisees were whitewashed walls, that's also the gospel. When Jesus tells Pilate, the only power you have over me is the power that my father allows you to have for this moment. That too is the gospel. When I tell you that Peter stood up to the Sanhedrin and said, we must obey God rather than obey man. That too is the gospel. And so when people say, just stick to the gospel, that's all I've been sticking to. That's all I've been talking about is the gospel. Here's the difference. And here's why the oppressor can never preach to the oppressed. The oppressor wants to tell you, be nice, do what I tell you Kumbaya. to do, and God's going to make everything all, all right because you're going to go to heaven when you die. The oppressed need to hear somebody say, God is with you in this storm that you're in. God is going to carry you through this storm that you're in. And God is going to bring you out on the other side. The oppressor doesn't know anything about no storm. What do they know about a storm? They ain't never been in one. They don't know nothing about I know the Lord will make a way. Yes, he will, because they ain't never had no problem with the way being made. We are. I never see color. Can you see? That is the most. Are you colorblind? That is the most annoying phrase I've ever heard someone say. Is I don't see color. Of course you do. That don't mean that you. It, it, it's not about what you see. It's about how you treat. Here's another one. Eleven o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. You know why? For the first four hundred years, you wouldn't let us go to your church. <laughs> Maybe that had something to do with why it was the most segregated hour in America. But more than that, it's segregated because. We worship according to our culture and, 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 and the culture of African-American people has been to hear a message of hope, a message that inspires, a message that motivates, not simply a message that says, keep on along the, the milk toast path that you've been on. Uh, and, and so they need to hear something else. They come to Sunday morning tired and beat down and angry. And they need to hear a message of hope. They need to hear that God is not only God above you, but God is with you and God will carry you through. And the oppressor can't give you that message. At least not convincingly. And, and, and so I have a problem. And, and I know it's my own personal because this is America. People can worship wherever they want or not worship at all. So cognitively, I fully understand. Everybody has the right to choose where they go to worship. But viscerally, down here in the deepest pit of my stomach, <laughs> I attend Bethany. We done. <laughs> I attend healing places. There, 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 there are curse words that, that rise up 
in, 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 in my bosom. Because what you are telling me is that you prefer white folks ice as opposed to us. What is it about us that we oppose and, 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 and cannot uh, submit ourselves to black leadership? We, we don't want black leadership. But is, isn't, isn't that a, it, it almost goes back historically how slaveholders treated certain black people that were in servitude, that were in bondage to them. And treated others a different way. Yes. And then it's like, you know, even even the term slave master, you know, putting the master in there yeah. to make you almost inhuman. I'm I'm reading this book uh now, I'm 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 halfway through it. It's it's really thick. It's called uh Stamp from the Beginning. And when I say it's thick, it's like thick. So I mean it's taken me a little while to get mm-hmm. through it. But it it goes through the entire history of just the mental state of how black people in the country were were put where it's like we're going to make you feel a certain way and it's it's for our benefit mm-hmm. you know it it, it it analyzes why the three-fifths rule happened because as they were quote-unquote christians they had to reconcile with themselves what they were doing and they had to say well this isn't an actual human so i don't feel bad right. now but with property Exactly. So it, it, it almost would be like, you know, if I beat a, a cow, I'm just beating a cow. That, 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 that's, a, that's a beast. So that's why they had to go with the three-fifths rule when so the it can reconcile themselves. When started around George Floyd, the most recent protest, because there have been protests for the last 10 years uh, about uh, law enforcement mistreating and killing black people, uh, uh, you're now at 1,500 and some odd days since Alton Sterling was killed. He nothing, keeps a record on that, nothing y'all. Nothing has been done. Uh, what is it that conservatives stood up and said? We're going to defend the property. We're going that. to defend the property. Property has a higher priority on our agenda than people. And, and, and so all of this Black Lives Matter thing uh, that, that you all uh, are spouting out there, that has to take second place to the property. We're going to stand up and defend our property. You have uh, uh, congressmen in this state who stood up and said, I have a gun and I will use it in order to defend property. This crazy kid who, who, who shot that man uh, yeah, in, uh, uh, Kenosha. In, in Kenosha, uh, he was defending a gas station. And he wasn't even from there. And he wasn't from there. And nobody asked him to defend it nah. with a machine gun because he felt like the property was more important than people. It, it, it's deeply rooted mm-hmm. in who we are. And, and when I say who we are, who America as a nation is. And, and, and once again, it's one of those areas where there can be no compromise. Uh, uh, white folk on the whole, not saying every white person fits into this category, but white folk on the whole place a higher priority on property than they do people, unless it's their people. Oh, yeah, when it's their people. When it's their people, it's an entirely different thing. 
The tribalism in this nation, uh, the, 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 the divisiveness, I, I used to always say divisiveness. They say, no, it's not divisive, it's divisive. The, the divisiveness in this, in this nation is, is, is tragic because it's division wrapped around basic uh, ideas of right and wrong that separate us from other classes, other races, other cultures of people. Uh, in America, black folk by and large value life over everything else. You can't say that about everybody else. That's Which true. is why we want children to be born, but we don't want to help them to live. And it's also why certain people have no problem putting folk to death. The death penalty is legalized murder as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and the government doesn't have the right to take people's lives. I don't care what they've done. Put them in jail. That, that, that's what incarceration is for. Right. But you don't have the right to take life. But we value property. America values property. When I say we, I want to be clear about who we is. Uh, Speaking um, as a whole. Yeah. America values property more than it does people. This has been an interesting conversation. I appreciate and the I've, time. I've definitely enjoyed the conversation. I've enjoyed um, the fact that you are as open as you are when discussing things, when even being, even, even assessing yourself and saying, hey, this is an area I need to work on X, Y, and Z. That is very refreshing because most people, when they, when they even think about a spiritual leader or a pastor, they think of someone who was quote unquote almost infallible yeah. and they put them on these pedestals. And when you break it down and show I'm just a human and I'm, and this is, this is what I do. I think that that's a refreshing thing that people need to see more often. Thank you. So I do appreciate, appreciate you coming to the podcast, coming up to the table. Thank you for letting me come. I appreciate it. It was, it was great. It was great. And I'm definitely going to have to have you back again. I look forward to it. All right. I look forward to it again. Congratulations. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, you guys make sure that um, if you're perusing the television or the internet, look for those keywords. I'm going to kind of do a recap. Look for the keywords that he told y'all and just pay attention to what you're believing in. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night. We'll see you next time.